minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. If during the program you get abdominal cramps, diarrhoea, vomiting, Asia knocks on your door, the sheriff is there wanting money, don't despair, the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. It's podcast for six to eight weeks. And if you like the podcast, get your friends to listen to the podcast. They can't listen to the podcast. The program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au, so you can pick it up anywhere in the world, and possibly in the underworld and heaven, if those places exist, which I don't think they do. Now, if you wonder what Anarchy is all about, an Anarchist Society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power, that's direct democracy. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. So if you want to chop people's heads off, if you want to become a billionaire, this is not the program for you. Move on. Unless you want to change your opinion, well then listen and maybe maybe I'll be able to change 1% of what you believe in. Okay, let's move on. Slave labour. I really love it when historical events juxtapose with current events. And uh, those of you who keep your eye on the federal court, and I do, would have seen a federal circuit court judge, kind of Mr Jarrett or Justice Jarrett, kind of be just shake his head at what actually happened to 22 Vanuatan workers who came here under an Australian government employment scheme. Now those of you who remember your history remember that blackbirding was a national pastime in the uh, 19th century especially in the late 19th century uh, what used to happen is people would turn up at uh, remote villages in Vanuatu, the Solomon Islands lure people onto the, uh, the ships then uh, capture them, take them to North Queensland or uh, northern New South Wales to work in the sugarcane field basically for uh, food and uh, Shelter, and uh, the process was called black birding, okay? Well, a few years ago, the government in its wisdom, concerned about the lack of labour for uh, farms, especially seasonal labour, organised a Pacific Islander labour transfer. So what actually would happen is that a number of visas would be allocated to Pacific Islanders 
uh, under a government scheme. This is a government scheme. This is not a private scheme, okay? This is a government scheme to come to Australia to work on farms, especially uh, to do seasonal work uh, in the country. And it was supposed to be a win-win situation, both for the labourers who were coming across, who were actually able to take home money back to their countries and do what needs to be done, and also the farmers. Now, the farmers were in agreement. The people in the Pacific Islands were in agreement. But what the government did is it just set up the program and then it washed its hands of it. It just forgot about it. Set it up, forgot about it, as it normally does. And it outsourced the hiring of labour to labour hire companies. And labour hire companies' job is very simple. They hire labour to work on farms across Australia. And those of you who live in the, uh, you know, uh, in, in regional Australia who are listening to this program and those of you who live on the outskirts of the major capital cities will see agricultural workers, you know, being bust in and bust out. Now, all sounds very nice hunky-dory, doesn't it? Well, in this particular case, this labour hire firm, the first way it made its money was, this was, uh, it's called Barney Enterprises, B-A-N-I, and the, and the way it made, the first way it made its money was to actually charge the labourer an upfront fee, a finder's fee, and it was $1,500, which may not seem very much in Australia, but if you live in Vanuatu, that's a lot of money, and uh, people went into debt in order to come across to Australia to work, okay? So that's the first impost. The second thing that occurred is the farmers do not pay the workers directly. They pay the labour hire firm, which then pays the workers, pays tax, pays superannuation, and the list goes on and on, okay? So most farmers who engage labour hire firms are paying between $24 to $28 per hour for labour. It's highly unusual to workers who are brought across to these farms to receive more than 12 to $14 an hour. And many of these labour hire companies are what are called Phoenix companies. They arise for a year, they organise contracts, they don't pay super, they don't pay tax, they close down the company, take the money overseas, then restart another company. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very common with uh, these labour hire firms, especially in the agricultural sector. But in this particular situation, the situation was worse. Barney Enterprises believed that the way they could actually maximise their profits was actually by not paying their workers. That's right. So for six months, these workers were carted from farm to farm in Queensland and they weren't being paid. And on top of that, they weren't being fed and housed in... very substandard accommodation. And this all happened in 2014. Now, the Federal Court made some findings against this particular company, but this particular company doesn't exist. So these workers who were here for six months will receive nothing for their troubles. But the key issue is that this was an Australian government program. It was in a program that had been initiated organised 
and regulated by the Australian government. But they, in their normal habit of outsourcing work, wash their hands of it. What is wrong with a government agency running the program? Workers wouldn't have to pay huge upfront fees to sign on. They would be guaranteed their income and more importantly, they'd be guaranteed basic conditions on Australian farms. This is an example of what's happening in many industries across the country, whether it's health, whether it's education, whether it's construction. What you now have is labour hire firms which provide the labour to these companies. These labour hire firms are not regulated. Although there is legislation in place, there are not enough government inspectors to regulate what is occurring and we hear every day stories of firms which outsource labour, ripping off their workers and in some cases, as in this case which uh, just was completed in the Federal Circuit Court uh, last week, the situations can be catastrophic for the workers involved and the pressure that the labour hire companies put on these workers is, well, if you don't play the game, we'll have you deported. End of story. So this is the problem of outsourcing, whether it's public housing, where we are seeing the outsourcing of a government's responsibility to provide public housing to not-for-profit and for-profit social and community housing associations which are privately run and privately owned. We are seeing it in the welfare sector, the social security sector, where religious-based organisations are making billions of dollars on contracts which are signed with the federal government to provide services to different sectors. And that's why we never see any reduction in the homeless situation because 40 cents of every dollar, every taxpayer dollar, that's your money, 40 cents of every dollar which is provided to these corporations in many cases to provide services on the behalf of the Commonwealth Government, whether it's security at Nauru and Manus Island, where if you added up all the money that has been spent on keeping people in substandard accommodation in Nauru and Manus Island, you could actually give them each a million dollars and say, here's a million dollars, go wherever you like, right? That's how ridiculous it's become. So every 40 cents of every dollar is wasted. Wasted in terms of profit for these private organisations to provide these services and so-called running costs. 40 cents of every... And this is an ideological decision which was made 30 to 40 years ago. And the ideological decision was very simple. To remove the government from providing services to its citizens to, in as many cases as possible, privatise these services. And it's an ideological position which has been pushed, which has now showing the type of fruit it is bearing. And it is a rotten, stinking 
fruit. It does not provide services. The public is ripped off. And the social issues which which uh, they're supposed to address are never addressed. And this is the problem. This is the problem we have today. For example, in uh, provision of uh, jobs, we had a thing called Centrelink, which was government-run. Irrespective of how inefficient it was, it's much more efficient than we have now, where we have the, gr- the biggest provider of employment services in this country is the Salvation Army. They are the biggest provider. Think about it. Think about what's actually happening, that we are seeing taxpayers' money wasted on the private sector to provide services which are never fully provided and in the most extreme cases, as we've seen in this situation with Barney Enterprises, where people are actually grossly disadvantaged, grossly disadvantaged because of the, the sharks, the crooks, which come into the industry, fill themselves up with government money and don't even provide us services. And this has occurred because although there are all, all these regulations in place, there are no mechanisms via which these regulations can be enforced because there are no people in these departments to enforce these regulations. So next time somebody talks to you about outsourcing, think what that means. What that means is wasted money for substandard services, and this occurs in the majority of cases, the great majority of cases, whether it's health, whether it's education, whether it's social security, you know, whether it's labour, And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now, this is the type of stuff that you shouldn't be hearing on The Anarchist World this week. I mean, we're about radical social change, whether it's through direct action, whether it's through the ballot box, whether it's through workplace agitation. We are about radical, egalitarian social change. These are the type of issues which should be taken up by the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC. These were issues which were taken up in the past, but these are issues which are now buried, mentioned and then buried. Because people say, you know, we live in a free society. We live in a society where we have freedoms that other people don't have that we have the capacity to question what's happening in our society. Think about it. Do you have that capacity to question? You may have, on an individual basis, you may have the capacity to question. But do you have the capacity for independent thinking in a corporate capitalist society? Think about it. This country is not run by... Parliament. I mean, Turnbull's limp efforts over the past year highlight how little power really resides in Parliament. Power in this country currently resides in the boardrooms of national and transnational corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders. give you an example. First of all, I'd like to extend our sympathies 
to all our listeners in North Queensland, and we have many listeners in North Queensland listening to the Anarchist World this week, uh, to what's occurred. We extend our sympathies. Now, it's interesting to hear the Prime Minister say that the insurance company and the banks should treat people with consideration and compassion. Consideration and compassion. Why would banks, which are privately owned institutions whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their shareholders, irrespective of the human, social or national costs, and why should insurance companies treat people in North Queensland who are who have gone through a horrendous situation in the last 24 hours with consideration and compassion. They're not a government. They're there to increase profits for their shareholders. And if they don't increase profits for their shareholders, because these are publicly listed companies, their shareholders piss off somewhere else, especially the major shareholders. They're there to make a buck. If they don't make a buck, they've got a problem. That's, that's the nature of capitalism. Now, for the Prime Minister to say that insurance companies and banks should treat people who've, been, uh, who've had property destroyed and damaged through Cyclone Debbie with consideration and compassion highlights how little power the government has over these institutions. Instead of saying, you will treat these people in a fair equitable manner and they will be compensated for their losses because they've paid insurance premiums over a period of time, he says, compassion and consideration. Because that's about all he can say in this particular situation. And you will hear in three weeks, three months, six months, a year, stories about how the privately owned banks and the insurance companies didn't treat these people with compassion and consideration, especially if the damages bill is as high as is expected. And that's the dilemma, because what we've done is almost as ludicrous as what used to happen in so-called communist countries in the past, where the government owned the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. There was no, there was no private sector. It was a nationalised economy. Today in Australia, we have a corporatised economy. There is no government-owned instrumentalities which act as competition against the corporatised economy. And that's why we're having so much trouble getting tax revenue, because we have a corporatised economy. There is no competition. We are told there is competition, but every time you go and get your petrol, I can assure you the difference between one service station and the next service station is usually 0.2 of a, of a cent. Because although there are there is the veneer of competition, there is no competition in a corporatised economy. Because the logical endpoint of capitalism is the building of monopolies and duopolies and corporations which dominate the marketplace and then set the price they think they can gouge 
from the community, whether it's power prices that we're seeing now, whether it's food, the list goes on and on. So in a corporatised economy, we live in a corporatised economy, right? a corporatised economy where the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication are owned lock, stock and barrel by unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and, most importantly of all, national cost. They are not here to rub the governments of the days back. They are not here to make this a good country. They are not here to provide compassion and consideration. They are here to extract the maximum amount of profit while providing the least return both to their customers and the community. That is the nature of corporate capitalism. So how do you challenge the domination of corporate capitalism? Obviously, some people say, we need a revolution. huh? So what are you going to do? Are you going to have a revolution? Well, revolutions aren't easy to foment. And there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of killing. And sometimes at the end of the revolution, what you get is worse than what you started with. Now, I'm not stupid enough to think that we are in the midst of revolutionary change in this country. But what we can do in this country is not just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait till the time we die for the right conditions, you know, for revolutionary change to appear. But what we can do is actually fight back against the corporatised economy by forcing governments at the state, local and federal level to intervene in the marketplace. And how do you intervene in the marketplace? You intervene in the marketplace by putting in regulations, one, to regulate the behaviour of these companies, two, you put in enough public servants in place to oversee these regulations and three, you have a legal apparatus by which you can actually ensure that those who break these regulations can actually be held to account. That's the first thing you can do because all we hear currently regarding the current economic model is deregulation as we've seen with our good mate, me mate, me bosom buddy, Presidente, El Presidente, Donald Groper in the US of A, get, away, get rid of all those regulations regarding protecting the environment and the economy will burn. I mean, this is, this is the limited intellectual capacity of our so-called leaders today, that they see green tape, red tape, pink tape, they see it as, you know, pr- providing a hindrance to economic development. These things are in place to actually protect people from the greed of companies and employees and corporations whose major responsibility is to feather their own nest. That's what they're there for. So you remove them and you have what we have in this country today. The second thing is, and this is exceptionally important, is the creation of a mixed economy. 
So what is a mixed economy? A mixed economy isn't a nationalised economy where the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication are owned by the state or the government of the day. It is not a corporatised economy where the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication are owned by unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders. A mixed economy is when you have a mixture of government-owned enterprises, privately-owned enterprises in the same basket. And we had a little bit of a mixed economy 30 or 40 years ago. But the privatisation mania which has gripped governments, where they've sold government assets which actually provided a return to the population, which could then be used to provide essential services and social security, we've seen this mania to actually give away these assets to the private sector because somehow it was going to increase competition and drive down prices and improve services. What a load of claptrap. I'll give you the most recent example. The most recent example was the privatisation of Medibank Private, which was set up by the government and owned by the government in order to provide private health insurance to people who wanted private health insurance but didn't want to acquire that private health insurance through the private sector or the not-for-profit sector. Okay? So that chuffed along for over a quarter of a century. Now, the Abbott-led government privatised Medibank Private, and Medibank Private, I think, at that particular time had over 2.5 million members, right? As soon as that organisation was privatised, premiums went up, but more importantly, the type of services which were covered under the government own Medibank Private, disappeared. So people who were fully covered for private hospitalisation now find that they're paying thousands of dollars for private hospitalisation, although they're paying two to three, four thousand dollars a year in private health insurance. Because what changed is the dynamic. The, the dynamic was that Medibank Private provided services on behalf of the government. Once it was privatised, it didn't provide services on behalf of the government. It provides services on behalf of a private corporation whose major responsibility was to maximise profits. Almost 50,000 members of Medibank Private left that organisation last year. Left that organisation. There are court cases in train regarding the government's lies that it uh, said before it was privatised. Now, every single available example of privatisation, we have the same issue. Commonwealth Bank. When the Commonwealth Bank was held in government hands, what that meant is that every investor, whether he had one cent or $500 million in the Commonwealth Bank, had a government guarantee. There's no longer a government guarantee for deposits in banks doesn't exist. But more importantly, when we had a government-owned bank, electors could put pressure on the government of the day to ensure that particular institution provided better services 
and products than the privately owned banks. As soon as the Commonwealth Bank was privatised, what we saw was an explosion in fees and charges. And everybody thinks banks are really, really, really intelligent, smart operators. Well, the majority, almost 30% of every dollar profit that is made by a privately owned bank comes from fees and charges. And it doesn't take much to make your profit from fees and charges. For example, give an example. Westpac used to charge $9 for an overdrawn account. The last few months, the fee's gone up to $15. No letters, nothing, bang, bingo. So every time they feel a little bit of pressure because maybe their mortgage portfolio isn't going as good as they like, bang, you increase fees and charges. And there is nothing, there is nothing in the private marketplace which acts as an inhibition to them increasing their fees and charges. And what you see is the other privately owned banks, within 24 hours, following the example, whether it's increasing mortgages, irrespective of Reserve Bank decisions, which we've just seen in the last uh, few weeks, where all the private banks have now increased their mortgage rates by up to 0.25%, and when you're paying 5% interest, that is a significant amount you know, added to your uh, you know, repayments. And this has occurred because we have a corporatised economy. We don't have a mixed economy where you've got privately owned, uh, corporately owned, privately owned institutions competing with state-owned institutions which set the parameters about what is fair and what isn't fair in a society. Think about it. These are things we can do. I don't come here. This is my 40th year on the Anarchist World this week, although people listening to me via the Community Radio Network we have only been listening for about 12 to 15 years. But I don't come here because, you know, to sing a song of woe. Anybody can sing a song of woe. I come here because I think change is not only desirable, it is possible. And that change is possible when people begin to look around them to see what is happening to them, their friends, their families, their communities, their nation, to see what is happening. And everywhere you look today, in the 21st century, in the land of Oz, the land of opportunity, the land of equality, is inequality, no opportunity, part-time work, and corporations acting as middle people, middlemen and women, skimming, skimming the trough, while ordinary people are treated like garbage. That's right. Garbage. Disposable garbage. In this 21st century corporate nirvana. Because there's, see, there's one thing we don't talk about. There is one thing we don't talk about in this country. We talk about incest. We talk about sexual abuse. We talk about racism. We talk about misogyny. And the list goes on and on and on. These are topics which we never talked about 20 years ago or 30 years ago, but through public pressure, public pressure, activists beating their heads against brick walls until those brick walls collapsed 
and political parties were forced to take these ideas on board. This didn't happen in the good old days. It happened today because of direct political pressure. We are quite happy to talk about these issues today. We might not be happy about it, but there is that opportunity to raise these issues, debate these issues, push them around, kick them about. But there is one word that nobody is willing to utter in 21st century Australia, and that is corporate... That's two words. Corporatism or capitalism. Nobody. It's our mother's milk. It is the institutional structures that we are couched in. It is our 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 day, 366 day assault on our senses that somehow human existence, society cannot exist without corporate capitalism. That things like collectives, cooperatives, social cohesion really are irrelevant, mean nothing. There is only one economic guru, one economic god that we have to genuflect to and worship at. And that is mammon, corporate mammon. Every day, every minute of the day, it's all about making profits, not providing services, not looking after human needs. It's about putting private interests, corporate interests, always before public interests. Everywhere. Governments of all political persuasions. Give you an example. Now, if you're in Melbourne, next uh, Wednesday, that's the 5th of April, Defend and Extend Public Housing will be holding its regular monthly rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House at Spring Street in Melbourne from midday to around 2pm. Once a month. Once a month, normally on a parliamentary sitting day, although Parliament doesn't sit every month in the state of Victoria. Once a month. Now, Defend and Extend Public Housing, you can go to the Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing, has got one very simple message. If you want affordable housing, if you want to see a decrease in rents, if you want to see a decrease in housing prices, especially in housing prices at what are called what is called the entry level, where young people can actually, you know, begin to get a roof over their head, you need to increase public housing stock. Simple. Simple concept. You increase public housing stock, you put direct pressure on privately owned real estate. You put direct pressure on on uh, investors. You force investors out of the market. Because if there's a lot of public housing stock, why would people waste their time and their lives trying to get secure housing in the privately owned market? So the solution to homelessness and the solution to affordable housing is the same. Increase public housing stock. Well, the Victorian government has a policy of destroying the public housing sector, destroying the lives of the 3% of Victorians who live in public housing. And the same policies 
are being pursued in New South Wales and West Australia. The same policies. So instead of investing in public housing, increasing public housing stock, what the Andrews-led government is doing is trying, trying, what it is doing, it is trying to increase, it is trying to increase the amount of money that's going to the private sector, to the community housing sector, to the social housing sector. What they've done is a whole series of initiatives which will see the public and community housing sector and many many are not-for-profit, many are for-profit, through introducing public-private partnerships, we'll see the transfer of public housing into the hands of these associations. So the government (coughs) can actually wash its hands of public housing. This is a real issue. It's a real issue because it has a bearing on the lives of every Australian. Because what's the point of putting middle people into this exercise? What's the point of outsourcing your responsibility, the state's responsibility, to provide public housing for its citizens? The whole purpose of the, you know, creating public housing in the 50s and 60s was because the private sector was actually not able to provide that housing and people were homeless or destitute or desperate. And public housing wasn't just for people who were desperate. It was for people who would never be able to buy a house but needed secure housing for a reasonable rent. And that's why rents were fixed at 25% and continue to be fixed at 25% in public housing. But once the community sector and the so-called affordable housing sector and social housing sector get their claws onto the titles and have all this government money pour into their coffers, what we will see is private organisations whose major responsibility is to their boards will change the parameters, will limit the type of people that come into public housing, will pick and choose, because ultimately it's about providing for that private organisation. It's not about providing for the community as a whole. There may be... You may want to do it, but that is not the impetus. So what's this great government thing we've got today where we need to introduce a third party into the relationship between the state and the citizen, especially when it comes to essential services like health, housing, energy, infrastructure, and the list goes on and on. What is this great ideological push to introduce third parties into the equation. And what you see within a few years is one or two corporations dominating that marketplace. We see it now in childcare. We've got three or four corporations which dominate childcare around the country and most of the money they receive comes from the taxpayer. Think about it. Why you need? Why do you need a new layer? Why do you need to waste forty cents in every dollar to provide that service? And this was the fundamental reason we are trying to establish a new political party called Public Interests, 
before corporate interests. Now, I know, and you know, this is not the solution. But within the public debate, we need organisations and political parties that are willing to promote the interests of the public as a whole before the interests of privately owned and privately run organisations and corporations who grow fat on taxpayer funds. So there is no need to introduce a third tier into the public housing sector, no need whatsoever. It is an ideological push. It has got nothing to do with reality, nothing to do with beans, nothing to do with what's on the ground. It is an ideological push by governments which don't receive enough taxation revenue through the corporate sector to actually absolve and wash their hands of their responsibility for providing essential infrastructure and services. So if you are interested in public housing, have a look at the website. Sorry, have a look at the Facebook page. Defend and extend public housing. If you're in Melbourne, join us on Wednesday the 5th of April, midday, 12 to around 2 o'clock, steps to the Victorian Parliament House. We won't have any big-name speakers, but we're going to have a lot of real people from around the state who are involved in public housing, who want to see affordable housing, speak at our open microphone on the day. Because every time you speak to a big name, you get a big speech, but nothing happens. And what we need to do is to make this organisation grow. And Defend and Extend Public Housing is an initiative, is an initiative of public interest before corporate interest. And we agreed to form this group to promote the public housing sector for groups like Friends of Public Housing because they were getting no traction in the community because the so-called you know, uh, alternatives are all about increasing the power of the, these agents which basically outsource services. We don't need to outsource services. We can have an efficient public housing scheme which is government-run, government-funded and it can actually put a lid on housing prices. So if you're in Melbourne, join us next Wednesday, 5th of April. Join us the 5th of April on the steps of Parliament House uh, in Victoria. Now, if you like these ideas, set up your Defend and Extend Public Housing Group in the town or city you live in. Set one up. Push the envelope. Bring the ideas to the fore. Raise ideas of a mixed economy. Raise ideas that it's not just about people who can't afford public housing, can't afford housing, public housing. Public housing is the engine room which will create affordable housing in this country. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. It's incredible, isn't it? Incredible. Now, I need to pay my respect to Mr. Morrison. Don't don't fall over. Don't fall over. Look, it looks like, it looks like, and the key word is looks like, the federal government has been forced 
two introduced what's called a Google tax, which basically is a you know a Google tax. You like that Google tax? Think about it. And that tax has been introduced to ensure that companies, transnational corporations, who find paying tax is an impost on what they do, who find that, to ensure they pay a little bit of tax, a tiny bit of tax. Now, I understand there are already, you know, movements in the corporate sector to actually try to restructure to avoid this tax. And this is what this is about. This is what the Google tax is about. These companies don't give a shit about you. They don't care about you. They don't care about the economy. They don't care about Australia. All they care about is maximising profits for major shareholders. And that's why when they hear that the federal government is trying to introduce a new tax to ensure it can reap in a few, you know, a few hundred million dollars, if not a few billion dollars from these, you know, these gigantic corporations, that the first thing they do is try to restructure their affairs in such a way so they don't have to pay the new tax. And this highlights the mentality of corporate capitalism and the mentality of corporate capitalism is to screw you. For example, 45 cents of every dollar which will be invested in the stock market today and much of that investment will go into these transnational corporations so they can continue to rip us off. 45 cents comes from the trillions of the $2 trillion which are held in Australian superannuation funds today. So here we have the lunacy, and the key word is lunacy, of private corporations using using superannuation money, which is your money, right? Using superannuation money to maximise their profits and minimise their taxation revenue. Extraordinary. Why should, why should superannuation money be invested into corporate capitalism, be invested into the corporate sector? Because you can lose that future overnight. And many people saw that in 2008, where their nest egg disappeared. It was greatly reduced. Why should elderly people in this country who are approaching retirement have to worry about the vagaries of the stock market in order to have a reasonable retirement? And that's what we're seeing now is every inch of our social networks being colonised by these corporations. If it's not superannuation money, It's their inability and unwillingness to actually pay for the very infrastructure and the very and the the social social cohesion, which ensures their profits are maximised. Why do you think foreign corporations love to invest in Australia? 
It's a socially, well, it was, it isn't now, a socially cohesive society where it's mainly peaceful society. But they want more. It's never enough. They want more. They want every last ounce of your blood, every last mill of your blood. They want more and more and more and more. And on the one hand, as we saw with the outsourcing debacles, they will screw you mercilessly in order to maximise profits. And on the other hand, they are not willing to contribute to society. When the Treasurer, Mr Morrison, talks about introducing a Google tax, the first thing they talk about is restructuring their companies in order to avoid that tax. They have no responsibility for you and me, none whatsoever. They don't care if you're penniless. They don't care if you're homeless. They may put a few ads saying what great companies they are and put $100,000 into some you know, uh, account for social cohesiveness, whatever that is, all right? But they don't care about you. And the tragedy is there is no group in Parliament that represents people like us. No one. When you look at the cross benches, a motley group of people who are basically interested, you know, in blaming the other for our predicament. You blame the Muslim, the black, the gay, the women. There's always somebody you can blame, you know, always somebody you can blame. And with their attempts to remove 18C, you can do it legally. You can call them whatever name you like, denigrate them legally. I mean, it's just extraordinary. It really is extraordinary. So I am encouraging you to join public interest before corporate interest. It is not a perfect organisation. It will never be a perfect organisation. It is run by human beings. We will always have issues, but there are mechanisms by which to resolve those issues. So if you are interested in change, if you're too old to get out on the streets... If you're too young to get out on the streets, if you haven't got enough time to get on the streets and join our many other activities which we organise through this Anarchist Mirror Institute to promote the ideas of social equality, but equality, not equality of opportunity, but equality, then you should join public interest before corporate interest. It's very easy. You can download the application form from pipsy.net. Just put public interest before corporate interest in the, on, on your search engine and bingo, there it'll be. Public interest before corporate interest. You ain't got a computer? I understand. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com anarchistage at yahoo.com send you out an application form you can leave a message on 0439 395 489 0439 395 489 leave a message it's not hard have a look at the application form you like it join if you're on the 
Electoral roll, even better. We need 550 people on the electoral roll before we can apply for registration. We currently have 320 on the electoral roll. We need another, was another 230. We'll get there in the next few months, six months, 12 months. We will get there. Because what we are proposing is an antidote to what is happening today. The creation of a mixed economy is fundamental, fundamental to creating an egalitarian community. It is one step towards creating that egalitarian community. Now, a few uh, websites you can look at, anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. You'll see many things there. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. A few Facebook pages to go to, Defend and Extend Public Housing. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano, the number for the public. Toscano for the public. Fort Bubble, almost every day you can comment on. You can become my internet friend. The good thing about having an internet friend is you don't have to, t- you don't have to take them home to dinner. I've noticed they just hang around. They hang around. So great. You can like the page, Toscano for the public. What I try to do is bring all these diverse strings together in one Facebook page where you know we can interact and get involved and do things. A few dates to remember. Uh, and don't forget the Pipsy website and the Pipsy Facebook page, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. Put it on your search engine, bang. All right, don't forget a few dates. 1st of May, we've got, that's a month we've got something organised. On the last Wednesday in May, we'll be having a uh, public interest before corporate interest rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament. And more importantly, if you live in the state and you want to get involved, you can get involved. Give me a call, 0439-395-489. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast for the next six to eight weeks by going to 3cr.org.au. As I keep saying, change is not only desirable, it is possible. Hope, hope is the love child of desire and expectation. So think about that. Join Pipsy. Get involved. Form your own organisations. Listen to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction an analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.